0: Community. Community is much more than belonging to something. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. See, God has given us a sense of community, and there are many different types of community, right? I mean, you can You got the YMCA, that's community, connecting with other folks to be able to work out and hang and all that good stuff. You got political organizations, that's community, right? right? But yet, God has instituted and given us community so that we can address the chaos in ourselves and in this world. See, this morning I want to talk a little bit about community and how and God uses community family to impact and influence the world around us. Jesus invites us into community for the purpose of dealing with chaos in this world. You know, and it's through his community, it's through the family of God that we have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others. You know, I think about 25-some-odd uh, years ago, 16 years old, a family invites me out to church, and uh, I connect with this church, and it's through the lives of Paul and Kathleen that I begin to see Jesus being reflected you know, I like to say that it was uh, the cross. Uh, I like to say that it was just getting into the word. I like to say that it was, you know, the, 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 the spiritual music that just came to my heart and, and somehow changed my life. But you know what it was? It was seeing Jesus lived out in their lives. That's what attracted me to the gospel. It was seeing a transformed seeing transformation happen. It was seeing not just the cross, but it was seeing the cross lived out that allowed me and attracted me to to want to join and be a part of God's community. You know how I know this to be true? Genesis chapter 1. God talks a lot about community, right? Right? And I'm so excited. I'm so encouraged to be back home amongst God's family. You know, it was uh, it was through Joel and Kathleen that I was invited into the family of God and, and it brings so much encouragement, so much excitement to be here again today. This is I was uh, sharing a couple days ago, man, this is uh, I think the first time in three years we're stepping back into the church and, uh, you know, it's not the walls, it's not the, the address, it's not all of those different things that makes this feel like home, it's you. It's the family of God. It's seeing your face. It's seeing your smile. It's seeing and knowing that the, the blood of Jesus binds us together. That's what excites me. Yeah. And that ought what excite you this morning, the enthusiasm the excitement that comes from being part of God's family. Right. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Right. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. As we talk about the invitation that we've all been given to join God's, to join in God's uh, uh, work that He's doing here in humanity, the work that He's doing through you, through us as a community of believers. In Genesis chapter one, verse twenty-six, I love this passage. This is what it says: Then God said. Let us make human beings so that they are like us. Notice that. He doesn't say me. He talks about us. Let us make human beings so that they are like us. Who is he talking about? Well, Jesus exi- or God exists in community with the Holy Spirit and Jesus. He's looking around and he's saying, man, let us create these humans so they are like us so that they are existing in community. And then he goes on and he says, let them rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky. Let them rule over the livestock and all the wild animals. And let them rule over all the creatures along the ground. So God created human beings in his own likeness. He created them to be like himself. He created them as male and female. We have this amazing opportunity that we are created in God's likeness to live as community, but yet also to join alongside him in this partnership to care for his creation. That's why we exist. We're here, created in his likeness as community to care for. He says, let them rule over the fish of the seas and and the, uh, the animals and move along the ground and all those different things. What is he talking about? He's talking about caring for his creation. We're here to care for God's creation. That's why the family of God exists, to come together as a community to do what he wants us to do man, what a beautiful purpose we've been given. You know, the analogy that I have for us is that we are created, well, it says here, we're created to reflect Jesus. We're created in his image, right? And what that looks like is us uh, uh, reflecting his image. When you think about the image, you look at this mirror, and we're created to reflect Jesus. Right now, this mirror is pointed out at you. If you look in this mirror, It'll be, it'll, you know, you see yourself, right? Right? And if I was to turn it to the side and I look at this mirror, I would, I would see, I would just see myself. But here's something cool. If I angle this mirror, I can look out through the mirror and I see you. And you can look through this mirror and see me. You see, we are angled. Mirrors. We're angled mirrors. When people look at us, they ought to see a reflection of Jesus. And Jesus has the opportunity to reflect Himself through us. We are these angled mirrors designed to reflect the image of Jesus. We're not here for ourselves, but we're here for a very specific purpose, and that is to reflect our creator. In everything that we do, we are designed to reflect his image, his purposes, his desires. The things that he cares much about are the things that we care about. That's why you and I exist do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Awesome. We are in this partnership with God to care for his creation by reflecting his son, Jesus. And that is beautiful. Yeah. What a high calling we have as a people of God yeah. to reflect his son, Jesus. That's beautiful. Yeah. But what makes that difficult? If that is so awesome, it's so grand, it's so, you know, that that excites us. That's our our primary purpose in life. Why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult for us to do that? Well, 1 John talks about sin and about the consequences of sin. How sin not only separates us from God, but it separates us from one another. Right. I believe one of the, the most one of the most uh, uh Devastating consequences of sin is that it it breaks us and tears us apart so that we have a difficult time reflecting Jesus. It makes being an angled mirror very, very challenging for us to do. You know, you think about this mirror and the consequences of sin and how it tears us apart and it breaks us. Look at that. You look at this and, yes, we have this amazing opportunity to be broken mirrors or to be angled mirrors, but the devastating consequences of sin, it makes it very challenging for people to see Jesus through us when we live these independent lives. You look at this and... This small piece of glass right here, it becomes very difficult to see the big picture only for this piece of glass by itself. One of Satan's, one of our culture's tactics is to separate us out, break us apart, so that we're not reflecting Jesus together. That's one of the challenges we have in front of us. Is as a community, as a people of God, coming together, our lives intersecting for the purpose of reflecting Jesus. So there's a lot of reasons we can come together. But I submit to you this morning, the greatest and one of the greatest purposes and priorities in your life ought to be to connect with the people beside you for the purpose of reflecting our Savior. That's your calling. That's your design. You cannot reflect Jesus accurately alone. So often we get into this mindset of, and we get guilted out because, man, when people look at my life, they may not see Jesus. And when, when, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do Christianity and, and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I just don't feel like I'm having the effect that I need to have. Well, part of that is impossible. You cannot have the impact that you ought have alone. It's at the intersection of our lives where we have the opportunity to reflect Jesus the most. Think about that. It's at the intersection of our lives where people have the opportunity to see Jesus. We cannot reflect Jesus accurately living in isolation. And COVID has made that even more challenging, right? we more accurately reflect jesus together than we do apart let's peek into the scripture this morning as paul talks about community in the book of Romans in the book of Romans chapter 12 paul paints this picture of the Roman church and uh and 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 actually he's he's talked about up until this up until chapter 12 he's spent the first 11 chapters kind of laying out Man, the, the power and, uh, of, of God and, and what it looks like to be close and connected to God. And then he started to get a little bit more practical on how this lived out in uh, chapter 12. I'm gonna, we're going to look here at Romans chapter 12 in verse 3. Romans chapter 12 in verse 3. It says here, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What a challenge, right? Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't be selfish. Don't live this life that's self-absorbed, that, that's consumed by what you're want and what you desire that's consumed by your opinions, but rather with sober judgment. I love this. He talks about sober judgment. What is he saying there? I mean, if you, uh, uh, I like to interpret that, get your mind right. Be in your right mind. He's telling them, get your mind right, folks. This life ain't about you. Get your mind right. Put your mind where it ought to be. And he tells us how to do that. In accordance with faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We understand that our body functions all together, right? right? We understand that as we think about our elbow, that my elbow in isolation is a good thing, but it is much better thing when it functions with the rest of the body. That part of my body belongs to the rest of my body. It would be ridiculous for my kneecap to say, nah, body, I don't really need you. I'm going to do my own thing and just kneecap it out <laughs> these next few days. That don't even compute with us. That makes no sense. And yet, that's how we live our Christianity. In isolation, independent of the others. What Paul is saying here, man, you belong. Each part of the body belongs to all the other members. You belong together. Your reason for existence, your gifts, your abilities belong in convert with all the other members. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. He continues, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is leading, then lead it, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Man, He lays it out before the church here that we all have uh, we all have individual gifts and abilities and talents and, and they work in concert with one another. Whatever your gift, whatever your ability is, do it. Do it with the purpose of giving your entirety to seeing Jesus reflected, to seeing God glorified through you. Your gifts don't belong to you. Your abilities don't belong to you. Your time doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the others. I love Paul's heart here as he talks about living in other Focused life. Being angled mirrors is about God being reflected through us. And it's also about when people look at us, they see Jesus. People shouldn't look at you and only you. He's painting a picture of an other's focused life. Jesus is reflected at the intersection Of our lives. You know, if God is, or if Jesus is the head and we are his body, then we're here doing his work. Amen? 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 Amen. What does that look like though? And he gives us a few examples. These aren't all, this isn't a complete list, but he gives a few examples for us just to make it uh, stick a little bit. He talks about serving. Talks about prophesying, bringing God's word to fruition for folks, expressing God's will and God's heart for others around us. You know, when we serve, it's as if Jesus is touching someone in need. You ever thought about that? Man, when I serve, when we serve, others experience Jesus through me, through us. What an amazing picture! that Paul paints for us here. When we give encouragement, it's as if Jesus is instilling courage in that person. When I give to God, man, this is that, it's the hand of Jesus giving and being extended to someone in need. When I'm teaching, man, it is Jesus delivering an amazing truth to someone. What a high calling we have in front of us to be a people of Jesus. This is a life-giving decision that we all have, the opportunity to give life to others. But we can't do that in isolation. What does it look like for you this week to take time? To order your life in a way that intersects with the other believers, other Christians, but not just intersect with the other Christians, your life to intersect with the other Christians for the purpose of reflecting Jesus. Amen. If this is true, are we not order our lives in this way so that we can so that when people see our lives, they don't see Randy, they see Jesus? What does that look like for you? What initiative do you need to take in order for that to happen? See, it's cool to talk about it and to think about it. But at the end of the day, impact is made when we take action. So what does that look like for you? Paul paints a picture here. Or he continues in Romans chapter uh, 12 and verse 9. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking And zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. He's talking about taking action. He's giving them some very practical examples of what it looks like to order their lives in a way that reflects Jesus through their interaction with other believers. He says, uh, be devoted to one another. He's talking about an addiction. Allow your, your, your time, your effort, your, your uh, the, one of the best things we can give and share with someone else is our time. Time is one of those resources that we'll never get back. And when we share our time with someone else for the purpose of reflecting Jesus, man, that's an example of devotion. That I'm with you and I belong with you regardless of your different opinion about politics. That I'm devoted to reflecting Jesus whether you believe that you should be wearing a mask or, or not. The world is divided on these types of things. But there's a higher call for the body of believers to share a unity and reflecting Jesus regardless of the circumstances in front of us. Devotion. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. You know, in this specific section, he's talking about our interaction as a body. He goes on later and he talks about our interactions with the lost, with the world around us as well. But for today, I I wanted to focus here on the impact that we have as a body, as a family of God, the responsibility that you have when you laid your life down and said, man, Jesus is Lord, what you decided was, I will be an angry mirror. I will partner with the people beside me to care for God's creation. Regardless of our differences, I will not allow my opinions to supersede you and I reflecting Jesus. I will allow, I will forgive, I will devote, I will give my time, I will give my energy, I will practice hospitality, I will serve, I will give up all of my life because the mission is just that important. Is it still important as the day you lay down your life? Is the mission that important to you? That's a question you have to ask yourself. That's the question that many who are lost are asking of us as they look at the body. Do they see Jesus by our interaction with one another? Do they see Jesus by our level of forgiveness in the church? The stakes are high, folks. Never said it would be easy. Right, yeah. Yeah. But the impact is great. Yeah. You know, uh, I love Paul's heart here, and he lays it out simply for us, that we are to be reflection of Jesus, that we are angled mirrors, that when people look at us, they ought to see the reflection of our king, of our savior, and, and, and come to their knees. And, and there's, a, there's an excitement and a joy and the enthusiasm that oozes out of us when we spend time together. That we order our lives in a way that, this is a, that reflects this as a priority. That people ought to see who we love because of our relationship with one another. That we express humility in our viewpoints. That we give our time and that's an expression of us belonging to one another. That there is a, 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 an extension, a extending of forgiveness in our hearts and people see that, and they know that, and they're drawn to Jesus. Not to us. They look at us and say, man, something's different about them. That they see our anxiety and our anger and all those different things dissipating because of the prayer lives, because of us coming together through prayer. Though we are broken, as this mirror here, we more accurately reflect Jesus when we come together. My challenge to us this week is to do something together that reflects Jesus. Do something. Make a decision to order your life, be purposeful and intentional in some way this week with someone else for the purpose of reflecting Jesus. Maybe it's going out and sharing your faith with someone, sharing why you made the decision to make Jesus Lord. Maybe it's uh, being hospitable, inviting someone else in your home, feeding them physically. If you're vegan, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Do your vegan thing and have some people over and do that. I say that because Kim and I, are, we you know, we've been ve- well. Kim's been vegan and I'm joining in the process and so when we have people over, it's uh, you know, we we introduce them to all kinds of vegan dishes and and uh, but it's a great way to connect with folks and love up on folks and uh, I'm so encouraged when other people come over because those are some of the few times when we actually get to have some meat, you know, up in the house and so it's uh, you know Part of it is kind of selfish. I love some barbecue. But anyways, (laughs) be hospitable. Have people in your home for the purpose of reflecting Jesus. You know, I was sitting down a couple days ago, yesterday morning, with one of our small group leaders. And he uh, made this comment, and it kind of stood out. He was talking about this idea of reflecting Jesus together, and he made a point, and he said, so often, we come together and we talk about life rather than actually doing life. And I thought, wow, that's so true. It's cool to connect and, and talk about your marriage and to talk about, you know, what's going on and, 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 and the, the ups and downs, the highs and lows and all those different things. That is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great to talk about life in that way. But, man. Wouldn't it be so much powerful rather than talking about marriage? If if I engage with people enough where they actually saw my marriage dynamics, where I interacted with people where they actually saw my parenting dynamics and they were able to speak into that, if we spent enough time with one another to where we're actually seeing and speaking into each other's lives and doing life together rather than actually talking about life? Wouldn't that be amazing? You know, that's the challenge for us. We are angle mirrors, and that means that we're ordering our lives in a way that, man, people can see Jesus in the As our lives intersect, but they got to intersect enough for people to see Jesus. So do something this week together with someone else that reflects Jesus. This is the way that Jesus is addressing the chaos in us and in the world around us. I love you guys so much. Here in a second, we're going to take communion, the bread and the cup. And be reminded of why Jesus lived, why he walked the earth as a human being, why he chose to go to the cross. But understanding that in going to the cross and dying for you and I, that the cross could not keep Jesus buried. That Jesus chose and had the power and the ability to raise from the dead. But not only that, he actually ascended from the dead and sits at the right hand of God. And it's through this death, burial, and resurrection that you and I have the opportunity to be family. It's because of the family that I stand here today. It's because of Jesus and his love. That binds us together. The blood of Jesus is what unifies us and gives us the opportunity to reflect Jesus. I'm so encouraged to be able to share a couple thoughts with us this morning. Being here this morning just reminds me of the blood of Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer as we recommit, rededicate our lives. To the community and reflecting Jesus together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are indebted to you. We are indebted to your Son Jesus, who chose to die, to be buried, and resurrect and ascend so that we can be here and reflect your son, Jesus. God, we know that we are imperfect. We know that we are broken, and yet, God, it's because of your son, Jesus, that we're binding together as family, and we have the opportunity to reflect your son, Jesus. God, as we take the bread and as we take the cup, God, help us to be reminded that we cannot live For you in isolation. That it's at the intersection of our lives where people see you. It's at the intersection of our lives, God, where we have the opportunity to experience the promises of the Savior. Father, you are our King. For those of us who have not accepted you and, and laid down our lives, God, I pray that today we are even more drawn to your love and can make the decision to lay down our lives for you. And for those of us who have made that decision, God, may today be a reminder to rededicate and get re-excited about your son, Jesus, in a way that we haven't in recent days, weeks, months, or years, God. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for the opportunity that we had to reflect your son, Jesus, together. It's in your holy and precious son's name that we pray. Amen.